here's a scary story. Male poets. Po- <laughs> male poets, but also poets that think that the purpose of poetry is to prove how smart you are. The end. And that concludes our episode. Have a great evening. Catch you next I week. love you all. Goodbye. You're welcome, America. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, let's move on to something a little more topical, and I will use this to introduce what I want to talk to you about. Okay. Clint, feel free to cut all that out because spoil alerts and whatnot. Don't you dare, anyway. Clint. Don't you dare. Do it, Clint. Do as I say. You like me more than you like Emily. Oh. Well, Clint and I have a death pack, so that seems fair. Can I... Wait. What is the death pack? That one of us... We have both sworn to murder the other, so... Oh, that's awesome. It has to end in murder. Fair enough. So, um, this week, something really, really um, big and tragic happened... Uh, in Paris. Do you know what that is? Notre Dame burned down. Notre Dame burned down. Why is that a big deal? Well, because Notre Dame is old and historic and very, very beautiful, and uh, people did things there. You're right. It has a lot of history behind it. Yeah. It is also the home to countless irreplaceable pieces of artwork yep and cultural artifacts yeah i have you i've been there i saw it i have not been and now you never will never say never (laughs) i know that there's not a whole lot of reports about whether things were lost on the inside of the building because you know there were other things that were going on that meant that some of the artworks weren't there but it's a big cultural loss to have. Oh, absolutely. If any of that stuff got lost in a fire. And, you know, think about other huge fire losses that we'll never recuperate from. Do you remember uh, which library burned down where we lost thousands of years of human history, hundreds of years of human history? Oh, the Library of Alexandria? I was there. Yeah. The Library of An- Alexandria. We have no idea what was in that what were in those texts and the thing is is like you know we can hypothesize what could be in there but it's never going to be replaceable um there's human history that's lost forever who knows maybe we had already invented like you know oral surgery at that point yeah it's it's insane like well and also just think of like okay so all that knowledge is lost in alexandria but you're losing generations so we could have been generations further in our technology and medicine and i uh i think about that in terms of like the holocaust and world war ii of just how many like brilliant minds like were displaced or killed and you know where could we be if those scientists weren't fighting for their lives and just got to work or those artists or those theorists like it's 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 heartbreaking because you don't just lose that library you lose all the libraries that would have come from it you don't just lose that person you lose all their stories and all the people that would have like gotten their work years and years and years of like explanation you know how many times do we look back into history to coordinate some things in our scientific studies how many times do we look back in history to understand what's 
happening in the current political situation. Not enough. (laughs) (laughs) Even if you're not somebody who gives a shit about art, it doesn't matter that you don't personally care about it. That art that exists matters because it it's part of your heritage as a human on this earth but moreover it contributes in ways that you can't even imagine you know um we understand the way that certain constellations looked because of shit that was recorded in artwork you know these big massive kind of catastrophes are heartbreaking to me and and also scare me and just you know to take a second Emily, why did the library in Alexandria burn down? I actually don't know the answer to that. Oh, really? Did somebody do something shitty? Well. (laughs) (laughs) What do you know about Julius Caesar? Well, I know I had to read the play in high school, the Shakespeare play, which is called Julius Caesar. So basically all of my knowledge comes from that. And so I don't really know how historical that truly is, but I I imagine it's historical and accurate the way that a Law and Order episode is historical and accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Which is to say ripped from the headlines. Um, So he was the emperor and he was like, I became emperor because I did some cool shit. And people were like, yeah, I'm into it. And then he, like, kept being emperor for a long time, and people were like, we're not into it anymore. And so his friends conspired to murder him, and then his BFF, Brutus, stabbed him, and he said, et tu, Brute, and then he died. Et tu, Brute. Yeah. So much like how Rome wasn't built in a day, the library of Alexandria wasn't burned down in one day. The first fire to really point out is during... Julius Caesar's Civil War, there was a fire started in the library, and it was approximated at about 40,000 scrolls in the library were burned or lost in the fire. Also, I love that they're like, there's a civil war, there's a revolution, and people are like, burn the library! Burn the education! Wait. (laughs) Like, nowadays, I feel like the library would be just fine. Like, everybody's gonna go loot the Walmart. (laughs) So, (laughs) right... What's funny about this is that Plutarch and a couple of other uh, accounts uh, indicated that the troops, Caesar's troops, did it by accident. But basically, everybody blames Julius Caesar for it. So that's where we're at. You gotta blame someone. Why not the boss? So we lost a lot. Um, and the loss of the library at Alexandria, and we may have lost some things of great significance in the burning of Notre Dame. But now I want to take you back to September 2nd, 1666, the year of our Lord. Damn it! Damn it, you fucking terrible wench! I was gonna do this! I've been preparing this one! (laughs) You horrible little thing! No! Keep all of that, please. (gasps) No! The Great London Fire of 1666! Ah! Oh, I'm so mad. (laughs) I knew this Uh, day would come. I just didn't know when. uh, Is it so sweet? (laughs) Well, as you know, my friend... Ah! I can't get over it. I'm sorry, but I'm just like, nah. 
well, you'll I be, was... you'll be able to fill in a lot of space here. <laughs> this is actually near and dear to my heart for a lot of reasons. Um, God, I'm fucking glad I'm drinking. <laughs> <laughs> One, because of what's going on with Notre Dame. Two, because we have lost a lot in human history because of natural disasters and some slightly unnatural but still naturalish disasters yeah um you know my family has lost to things uh, has lost things due to floods and most recently fires um my sister lost everything in a house fire including her house so oh. um it just got me thinking about how fires are actually really terrifying and if you remember in our polterbustion uh <laughs> conversation fires don't burn laterally very easily so something yeah. like a huge fire like what happened in london is really kind of um significant and unusual in the same way that what happened to notre dame is significant and unusual so, in the Great Fire of London, about one-third of London was destroyed, and there yeah. were approximately 100,000 people that became homeless very quickly, and it took about 50 years to rebuild London. Ooh, interesting. I didn't have that 50-year thing. Yeah, it was a 50-year process to put London back together again, much like Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> <laughs> so the fire started around uh 1 a.m on a sunday morning september 2nd 1666 the day in year of our lord also i have to pause and go this is 1666 1 6 6 6 1 a.m 6 6 6 6 the fire began in a bakery owned by Thomas Fariner, and his bakery happened to be on Pudding Lane. I just want to take a minute for all of all of us to absorb how interesting this situation is. Pudding Lane. That's. I wish I lived on like Dessert Street. It'd be lovely. Do you know the Muffin Man? Uh, I believe he lives on Drury Lane. Do you think that's next to Pudding Lane? Um, no, you... because pudding in that world would be, like, his friend, right? Well, if he's an anthropomorphic muffin, wouldn't pudding also be anthropomorphic? Well, I'm just thinking, like, maybe him and Thomas are good friends because of... Oh, the tank engine? Thomas's occupation. Yeah, you know, whatever. Maybe mm. he made the muffin man. Oh, yeah, our, I, I bet he definitely lives in the same universe as the gingerbread man. Potentially, yes. Yeah. Anyway, so, so the Fariner's shit goes down. Fariner's shit go down. And here's the thing. They think the primary theory is that a flame thing fell from his oven. His oven fire wasn't put out properly. Whatever happened, it fell into a pile of nearby fuel, which I will get to. I just have to say, it is so bizarre hearing you say this and seeing these things in my notes. <laughs> I'm looking at them now and I'm like, God damn it. The reasons why this fire was successful, because you think like, oh, it's going to fuck up the bakery. 
but let's talk about that a little bit. Um, the climate actually made ideal conditions for the fire. So it was dry. Um, there was a strong easterly wind. And it blew the fire, wait for it, laterally. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it was easy for this fire to spread. And you have to remember what London looked like during this time, which was lots of wooden construction. Shocking, because this is medieval times yeah and medieval shacks and poop yeah shacks and poop medieval homes were mostly made of oak timber and had tar walls to keep the rain out um also there were very narrow streets like Mm. you remember when we would hang out in missia yeah i think yeah that's where we lived in new mexico think narrower more narrow narrower Streets that are made for people or maybe a horse, definitely not a car. Yep. So there were narrow streets. There was crowding in the city. So when the wind blew, it wasn't like, you know, my house catching on fire and then I have basically three cars length worth worth of space between me and my neighbor's house. You know, it was like I could throw a rock and um, break my neighbor's window, reach into their window, grab something. (laughs) You know, very close. I exaggerate, but it's very close. What also contributed to the success of this fire, because remember, this fire is very successful because fires do not spread laterally very easily. The Pudding Lane area, which is just fun Mm. to say, had a bunch of warehouses that stored really awesome shit like oil, timber, rope... Coal, alcohol, tallow, nothing really burny, nothing that would burn at all. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing, no. Well, that's why they had to put tar over it to to keep it from burning from the rain, right? Yes, yes, because rain actually causes fires too. The reason why your house doesn't catch on fire when it's raining is because you have... It's covered in flammable material. Yes, tar. Yeah. What also really ignited the success of this fire uh see what i did there (laughs) was that in the cellar of the bakery there are about 20 barrels of pitch which is also tar this shit really burns good and there were pieces of melted pottery that were excavated in future archaeology uh, research times Yes, that showed that the fire was as high as 1,700 degrees Celsius. It's pretty hot for just, like, a house fire. So, you know, it's like walking around in 80-degree weather. No big deal. Yeah, it's basically living in Baton Rouge again, except wet. The fire (laughs) was also rain. Yes. (laughs) Accurate. Yes. Fire rain. I don't Mm -hmm. think... I think we have to find... A way to talk about fire rain in the future. We can. Also, I will say, just going back to the South, before I moved, or maybe it was right when I moved there, and was like, man, everybody just wears, like, basically pajamas all day. But I was like, everyone is just wearing all these big clothes, like clothes that don't fit them. And you were like, it's because it's so hot. And, like, now that I'm back in the West, like, all my clothes are, like, baggy and loose because it's so hot and humid that you just don't want any (laughs) fabric touching you. Yes. And so I'll, like, wear this, like, T-shirt that I would have worn all the time, and it feels scandalous because it's, like, basically a crop top and it's, like, flowy. 
but like that's what you wear in the south because otherwise you're like oh god it's touching my skin i'm gonna die and you're like ew why is it wet yeah it's just (laughs) this fire spread very quickly considering all those factors and instead of people engaging in like mortal combat with the fire trying to extinguish it (laughs) they just tried to escape which seems extremely rational to me it's like, yeah. uh, this shit is really hot and it's burning fast. Let's get the fuck out. And I'm going to yep. talk about that a little bit more in a minute. Oh, good. The bakery owner, I just want to let everybody know. So Thomas and his family climbed out of an upstairs window and then climbed onto a neighbor's roof to escape the fire. However, the bakery <laughs> assistant did die. <gasps> Do you know what the I read a, when I was doing this? I read a book about it, and they didn't call her, this person a bakery assistant. Do you know what they called her? Please don't say concubine. A maid. <laughs> this is like this theme in our podcast. Leave the maids alone. <laughs> They've suffered enough. They never fare well in our stories. I know. For, this is just like if you ever meet a maid, just like give them twenty bucks. Just be like. You deserve this. For those of you who have been fortunate or unfortunate enough to listen to our earlier episodes where we did not have the smooth, magical smooth hands of Clint, and we had terrible audio, Hendra Kaifek, spoiler alert, the maid had the shittiest day of her life. Yeah, she gets chopped up. There's another one where we're talking about maids having a rough go of it. I can't, I was it the Roanoke one? I can't remember which one it is, but there's another one where we're like, no, not the maid. It's always the maid. It's always the maid. It is. Maids are people. I was a maid. Hashtag maids are people too. Maids are people. I was a maid. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I mean, kind of. I was a house cleaner, which is kind of like being a maid these days. It was my first job cleaning houses. Many Londoners escaped to the river, or they went to the city gates and stayed in the fields outside of London. Um, So basically, it's like shitty camping for months slash years, and that's not an exaggeration. There are people that had to live out in the fields for years. Yeah. So a couple things that are important to consider here is that There were no firefighters, so Londoners and soldiers had to put out the fires themselves. And what's interesting is how they did it. So, I don't know if you, if anyone out there watched, like, early, early cartoons, like, the shit that was still black and white, or, like, early Looney Tunes, which were, like, still incredibly racist, but, and sexist, I mean, just all the ists, they're there. Yeah, even the la- even the late Looney Tunes, like right before they took them off the air, they were still pretty bad. Yeah, really not something that you want to watch and use as a model for life. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll know you you'll see these sort of comical renditions of people just taking buckets of water to try to put out fire. Well, that's what they did in 1666 in medieval London. Um, They also use water squirts and fire hooks. And fire hooks are interesting. Um, The point of the fire hook is that you would take take the hook and use it to pull down houses to create uh, what you would call fire gaps to keep the fire from spreading. Yeah. But because the wind was so strong, it would push the fire over faster than people could pull down enough houses to create the fire gap. Yeah, it's... It really, like... I didn't think of it until just now, but um, 
where I grew up, they had wildfires real bad in northern Nevada. And wildfires are the same where it's out in the hills, but the wind can make it move so fast. And so they'll do things like that where they'll do controlled burns. But if the controlled burn gets out of hand or if the wind is blowing fast enough, the the fire can jump the burn. Right. And actually, one time when I was working at a gold mine, um, there was a wildfire and they were like, y'all better go home now or they're going to close the highway. And we were like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, the wind is high enough that they think the fire will jump across the highway. And so we went home like we left early. And when we got back into town, that's exactly what had happened. And they had shut the highway. And so like this is like a four lane highway, like four lanes. And the wind was so so high so fast that it pushed like the fire was able to jump across it which is really bad anyway apparently this is the episode of emily's weird jobs (laughs) (laughs) so you know first off that's an occupation that both you and i share as we both work for gold mines i didn't know you worked for a gold mine yes ma'am well you did you know that i was a gold miner and in fact i am north carolina central state champion in the women's division for speed panning no, I didn't even know that that was a thing. That's a real thing, and I hold the title. What? Wow, good for you. Um, but secondly, so for those of you who have never lived out west or have just never been anywhere close to west, something to understand is because a combination of elevation, the way valleys, and also flat land works, on top of the fact that winds are just fucking crazy in the west windstorms are a real thing Mm -hmm. i don't know how many times you would drive back and forth to el paso but (laughs) they would legit shut down parts of the highway because of a windstorm uh just because it would get the winds would be so strong it would kick up enough dust it would be worse than fog um Mm -hmm. or or scatter enough debris on the road like tumbleweeds where it would be dangerous to drive or it would literally push your car off the highway yeah, I uh, I was I'm in Colorado and maybe a year ago I was or no, I don't know some year not the last Thanksgiving the Thanksgiving before 2017 I was driving up to South Dakota to see my friend Natalie who I need to get on the podcast but um so I was driving on the highway north of Denver and the wind was so bad that they shut the highway and so me and all these cars were going on the frontage roads. And so from the frontage road, you could see the highway, and there were all these semis that had been blown over onto their side. Um, because if they didn't have anything, if they were empty, it the wind was so heavy that it just knocked them over. And I, like, lost count. I, I was counting them, and then there were so many that I was just like, never mind. That's crazy. Yeah. And also, I've been hit by a semi and almost driven off the road several times. So I was kind of like, you deserve it. But um... <laughs> you're like victory. But also, yes. Come tumbleweeds. Up and... Seriously, tumbleweeds, they're the worst. Yeah, they get stuck in your car's undercarriage and fuck shit up. Yeah, that's another common misconception. Like people think like these tumbleweeds are like little cute like little bushes that roll Fucking over. huge. No, they're huge, and if they get underneath your car, you have a problem, and you have to spend a lot of money getting them out. And they have, like, little thorns almost. Yes. They're dicks, basically. Mm-hmm. So back to fires. <laughs> and London. <laughs> and London, uh, which does not have tumbleweeds. The third day of the fire, 
the people in London finally resorted to blowing up houses with gunpowder to uh. try to create fire gaps fast enough. But combined with this, the winds had also started to die down, and people were finally able to get the fire under control. Yeah. By Thursday morning, the fire was out, and uh, just a couple things that are interesting to point out about this is that it's reported that the Great Fire, the light from the fire, was uh, able to be seen for up to 30 miles away. Wow. Uh, which I think is interesting. Yeah. I don't, I think people have a hard time conceptualizing what 30 miles is. It's really far away for human sight. Yeah. That's super, that's like a big city. Yeah. That's like, if you've ever driven at night and you know there's a city coming up in the distance, that's like, yeah, that's pretty far. That's impressive. It just must have looked like a really dramatic candle. <laughs> I mean, the other thing, too, I think about this a lot, and this is, I feel like I've brought this up before, but I really, I really like the movie Interview of the Vampire. <laughs> and one of the reasons that I really like it is that the way that movie is shot, it's so dark. But the past would have been really dark. Like, nighttime would have been so scary. Like, there's no street lamps, there's no electric lights, like you couldn't even see what was happening in your house, let alone a city. Like, seeing that big of a light would have been insane. Like, it would have not made sense. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, our world is very much different, as we've discussed several times. Fuck you, Victorians. Anyway. (laughs) And that's also a pretty good tagline for this. Leave the maids alone and fuck you, Victorians. Yes, fuck you, Victorians. like a running theme. I'm so angry at the Victorian era. <laughs> That's okay. I'm really angry about Ronald Reagan. So, <laughs> just you need All to have fair. some. You need to have some rage to sustain you. <laughs> That's true. If I didn't have my anger, I'd have no point to live. <laughs> I know. Spite is what motivates me. Like I said, one third of London was destroyed. What that looks like in English terms is about 436 acres being destroyed. Of that, 13,200 homes destroyed, 87 churches, 52, I don't know how to pronounce this. Someone please help me with pronunciation. I always desperately need help, but it's either Liverly or Liverly Company Halls. Oh, liver, Liverly? Like yep. where horses and stuff go? No, this is actually Liberty. like company halls, like where... Oh occupations of people would do occupational things you know what just call them business parks business parks 52 business parks (laughs) so of these 51 churches and 9,000 homes were eventually rebuilt now this is where what is interesting the accounts vary but 6 to 16 people were recorded as dead but that doesn't actually mean anything remember we're talking about 1666 medieval london Mm -hmm. basically if you're a working class person your death wasn't recorded because you're not a fucking person so six to 16 people who were nobles or of note died yeah we have no idea how many real people died yeah i've seen that same thing and it's been interesting because the more contemporary sources will say something like 
traditionally it'll say that only six people died but in reality like yeah they wouldn't have had records for the vast majority of people and also they were saying something of like there's no idea of forensic investigation after a fire so like it doesn't even have to be anything like fuck those people they might have cared about those people but like if your bones are under a house they're not going to find them or if those bones get incinerated well that's the end yeah that's fair it's pretty multifaceted situation it is it's really interesting um i saw i don't know what numbers you said i or you saw i saw several hundred possibly several thousand um one said like easily in the hundreds of thousands some just said maybe like a couple hundred so it's really an interesting moment for historians to be like well how many people do we think really died funny enough i'm gonna get to that Hmm. (laughs) because i have something else i want to point out on top of all this and this also complicates the situation of counting the dead. I want to point out the date again. We're looking at 1666. London was still recovering from the plague. Mm-hmm. So we had a plague, and how much of the population did that wipe out? A lot. <laughs> a metric fuck ton. <laughs> it killed a lot of fucking people. Yeah, all most of them. I don't know. And then right after they're starting to recover from the plague, they got the plague situation sorted out. Big ass fire. Mm-hmm. So as a consequence of this, laws kind of changed. You would think they were firefighters, but they still weren't. But things happen like they changed the composition of homes. They widened streets. They dealt with the overcrowding problem as to not have to deal with a fire of this kind of magnitude again. Now, do you think we learned our lesson from the Great Fire of London? No. Is there another Great Fire that you can think of that might have any significance in history that would probably be able to borrow some knowledge from ancestors in London? Uh, the Chicago Fire? The Great Chicago Fire. Yeah, I'm glad you're doing this because... I was not planning on doing this, but partway through, I was like, oh, man, I should do this with the Great Chicago Fire. The Great Chicago Fire. Remember, London was in September 1666. The The Great Chicago Fire was from October, and precisely October 8th to October 10th, 1871. So, again, it's still super dark, and there's poop in the streets. (laughs) There's poop in the streets. It's super dark. And people are probably being really shitty. In this fire, approximately 300 people died and 17,000 structures destroyed. So, look at the comparison from the fire in 1666. 13,200 homes, 87 churches, 52 business parks. We'll say roughly 14,000. Unknown number of people dead. If you want to draw parallels, you'd say approximately at least 300 people died at minimum. Because we're talking about medieval London. While 1871 still had people who had primitive belief systems, and that's the nicest way I can say that, and uh, limited resources, they were doing a little bit better than people in medieval London. Yeah, but I, from I'm 
trying to think because I remember seeing a big exhibit on this when I was in Chicago at a museum and I cannot remember what museum it was but it was I think similar in the sense that it was not in a it was mostly poor people like rich people were able to get out of the way and it wasn't mostly in their area but in Chicago it was was it on the south side of Chicago I'll get to that so it was more like the lower classes and the manufacturing um that's anyway continue go on well there's some interesting parallels I'm I'm glad you're bringing that up so about 3.3 square miles were destroyed that's a third of a city if you remember a third of a London of London was destroyed. A third of mm-hmm. Chicago was destroyed. It was mostly downtown and north side. Okay. And let's talk about why the fire caught so quickly. But first, remember I said about a hundred thousand people became homeless in London. Yeah. Well, about a thousand, a hundred thousand people became homeless in Chicago. Weird. Why did the fire catch so quickly? Well. There were wooden streets, buildings, Mm -hmm. sidewalks. It was crowded, so congested neighborhoods just like in London. Yeah. The fire began after a long period of hot, dry, windy weather. Anything sounding familiar? Mm -hmm. The homes had tar slash shingle roofs. The fire started in an area that was close to warehouses that contained coal barges there are lumber yards <laughs> jennifer you're supposed to be talking about chicago not london i'm sorry i'm sorry i lost myself there <laughs> oh wait but yes, oh they're it, the same bah, bah, bah. it's exactly it is it is exactly the same fucking situation That's spooky i didn't realize that there was that much that was similar so um not only that but so there's this thing about how the fire began in the O'Leary barn. Yeah, Mrs. O'Leary's cow. And the O'Leary cow knocked over a lamp. There's a nursery rhyme about it, which when I was talking to a co-worker about how I was going to discuss this, she started to try to recite the nursery rhyme. It's very real. But the thing is, is that's basically a myth. The O'Leary family was just poor Irish immigrants, and they were scapegoats. So at least the Londoners, like... Blame the boss. Kind of got to the truth. There was someone hanged for the fire that didn't do the fire, but we found out the source of the fire eventually. We never really found out conclusively the source of the fire for Chicago. Why was the fire able to be controlled? Well, it started the rain. Lake Michigan is an excellent barrier because it's not a river. It's a fucking huge lake. If you've never been there, I used to swim in it like several summers. Oh, it's no, wonderful. gross. The fire breaks. Uh, there were some natural fire breaks because there were some unbuilt areas at the time. And of course, just like in London, they used gunpowder fla- uh, gun explosions to create some more fire breaks. Interesting. Something else that... I just have as a fun note is that in the rebuilding process of Chicago, Ulysses S. Grant donated $1,000 of his very own dollars to help rebuild the city of Chicago. Was he president at the time? Yes, he was. Oh, well, that's still nice that he donated his own dollars. His own, which, you know... $1,000 $1,000 in 1871 is no amount to stick your nose at that. It's a big deal. 
Sure. So there are a lot of parallels between what happened in Chicago and what happened in London, and the same lessons that should have already been learned were learned in Chicago. They stopped the overcrowding of neighborhoods, they widened the streets, they um, made sure that houses had brick fronts and all these things. So, Mm -hmm. you know, not so fiery, not so fire-friendly afterwards. One of the things, so I, um, one of the notes that I had from when I was doing the London Fire, and I wonder if this is the case with Chicago, is that a lot of the rich people were able to get out and then they just moved back and like fix the shit up. But then the poor people couldn't afford to rebuild. So they were essentially just forced into these suburbs. And so London became huge in the sense that they forced the poor people to just stay in the fields. Chicago has tons of suburbs. Like even if you go to Chicago now, you're going to kind of feel like you're in small neighborhoods. Like it's more of a sprawl and and sort of that like suburbia land. And I wonder if part of that comes from a similar movement of like all the poor people who fled and then couldn't afford to go back and rebuild had to sort of build where they were. Yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't see anything in my research about that, but it would be something worth digging into more. Listen, are you are you a fire? Let us know if this is what your ancestors did in Chicago. <laughs> Well, I think about this, too, and I don't know why. I mean, I know why it scares me, but, like, why I'm also fascinated, you know, intellectually by this idea of, like, fire can happen at any time. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's very real. You could be a small city in Pennsylvania just trying to burn your landfill like you usually do <laughs> and accidentally light a coal mine on fire, you know? Hashtag callback. You know, Centralia fell victim to fire, Chicago fell victim to fire, London fell victim to fire, Paris has fall victim to fire, my family has fall victim to fire. And you know what? As much as we are advanced and we have learned a great deal about how things like fire works or um, how to create flame retardants, we still manage to burn our shit up. Yeah. Fire, my house catching on fire is like really legitimately one of my biggest fears. And part of it too that I think is in the background of all of this is that fire moves really fast. Like it's true that it's it's hard for it to move horizontally, but like... Uh, laterally? Yeah. But like think about like if something caught fire on your stove, by the time you realize that there was a fire, if you didn't act right away, that could be in your on the wall in 30 seconds, you know, and, and then the ceiling in another 30 seconds. And like, it can move really fast. And so that's like, if you're asleep and your house catches on fire, like you have time to wake up, you may not have time to do anything else up. And that is really, really, really frightening. And especially for me, I'm like, but I have so many pets. <laughs> like, How do I get the pets out? You know? And it's scary. Yeah. I just, it's just sort of amazing to me. Like, how how much knowledge we have and despite all that knowledge we still have control over nothing sure i mean we can still be brought down by something small yep like a flame the only thing i think that i had that was really different from your research was this moment about um the tower of london And the Tower of London at the time was full of gunpowder. And so they were really afraid that the fire would get to it. So they blew up all the houses around it 
so that it didn't reach the tower. But the source that I read was like, there's an interesting what if of history because if that the if the Tower of London would have blown up, it probably would have also destroyed the bridge the bridge that it was next to, and that would have like changed the history like the entire history of London basically. Oh yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. I didn't know that. I didn't come across that when I was reading. Uh, well, you're fucking welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, we both know this was going to happen. I know. Maybe we should start telling Clint what we're doing so he can check and make sure that we don't do it again. No, I like the surprise. All Things Terror is written, recorded, and produced by two amateurs, Jennifer and Emily. Our sound editor is Clint. Intro music is by Cosimo Fogg. Come chat with us on Twitter at All Things Terror or Instagram at All Things Terror Podcast. Ask nicely and we'll probably send you a really cute sticker. If you like this podcast, tell a friend or write a review. It really helps us and helps more people find us. Goodbye forever. the south makes more people because it's so like how do you go everyone is sweaty and it's hot and there's no wind and it's not gonna cool at night you know what let's fuck i'm just anyone from the south that also lives in humid temperatures (laughs) please let us know on your instagram or twitter how you make babies I mean, I know how you make babies. I just mean, please tell us how it's appealing. You know, no, it's, it's not, not better. That's not better. <laughs> please, please go back to talking about fire. So. <laughs> 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 <laughs>